Hi folks, it's me, Joanna, coming to you from the shambles of what the dressing room and my old location is now looking. We are in the midst of a move. I have the laptop on an overturned large plastic container and Ozzy is sitting on the mattress on the floor behind me. The podcast you're about to hear was pre-recorded and when it was recorded, my province was going through this heat wave. It was called a heat cap and temperatures skyrocketed to 38 and 40 degrees, temperatures we've never experienced. In this podcast, I mention a small town named Lytton. It is known as being the hottest town in BC. It has a sign that says Canada's hotspot. And in fact, its temperatures on June 29th rose to 121 degrees Fahrenheit, 50 degrees Celsius. In 24 hours on June 30th, that town was literally burning in flames, smoke, and tragically, two lives were lost as 90% of the town was destroyed by a wildfire which is suspected to be human-caused. Through the Canada Red Cross, you can help. For every dollar that is donated, your donation will be tripled. I know how much money I spend on a mocha, and I'm most definitely donating. I will have the Canada Red Cross website in my show notes. Ozzy is exhausted. I can hear him snoring. I'm pretty tired with this move, but we have a place to land. Overnight, the people of Lytton were grabbing what belongings they could, and they had to leave their homes and run for safety. I hope you can help. Now, today's podcast is with an amazing creative from Australia. I was blown away by what this creative produces in her quest of zero waste. So let's do this. Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. Today, Ozzy is not in the dressing room with me. He's ditched the dressing room. Um, We're going through a bit of a heat wave in my area. Um, Usually we have temperatures around 25, 27. Um, I think once in my life, I've seen it maybe twice go up to 30. Well, right now I have fans blasting because the little thermometer on the little uh, temperature gauge on my computer told me it was 40. So that's like 104. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but I I should take comfort. Um, In BC, there is an area and the little town of Lytton broke a record it's supposed to be the it's classified as the hottest little town in bc and it broke a record and it's at 47.6 degrees celsius so um 
what we're going through right now. It made it on TV3 New Zealand News. It has reported on it. And what they're saying is there is a heat dome over BC and Alberta. And it's also hitting um, down through the United States. But anyways, enough about weather. Um, it's kind of fitting though, because today's guest is coming to us from Australia. Yeah, we, we managed, we figured out the different time zones and it's working, it's great. And um, you wouldn't believe the weather she's having right now. So anyways, today's guest, you heard that right. She's coming from Australia. She is a creative. I am blown away by what she creates. So I'd like to welcome Sue Stoney. Welcome to the art studio. Thank you so much, Joanna. And I'd like to say good day. <laughs> or um, in our local Aboriginal language, it would be Kaya. Okay. Kaya means hello. Oh, so. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And you've reminded me, I did forget to mention that this podcast is um, being created on the traditional territories of the Halat First Nations. So, Sue, welcome. Thank you. Um, I have to ask, I, I'm on your Instagram page. I went on your blog and I am not, especially with the pandemic, I am not savvy or aware of fashions. And I was wondering, what have you noticed different in fashion today compared to a year ago or what are you seeing more of? I think you see more of everything. Um, I, I'm not really a follower of fashion. I love clothes, yeah. but not so much fashion. And I think there is a distinction. But if if I was to think about that question, I would say there's more of everything. Um, there's definitely a greater diversity in sizing. Um although people still don't, designers still don't address really short people. I've got a sister who's four foot ten. I can't get a pattern to look decent on her. Um, so it, it, it's like we're aware of sewing tall, but nobody's really aware of sewing short. Um, and I think that's a, a niche area for someone. Um, we're also seeing a lot more androgyny, I suppose, um, People, I mean, I'm wearing my husband's shirt that I managed to shrink, a wool shirt, <laughs> and I love it. Um, I think we're seeing much more of that sort of thing, people just wearing anything they fancy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that is something to be celebrated. Women are no longer the only people who wear dresses. And of course, dresses were the purview of men back in history. So it's nice to see that they're embracing skirts and dresses again. And women never wore pants. And, you know, I mean, we've been doing that for a long time. But it, it's just good to see that fluidity, I suppose, around style. Good. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah. And, and so our listeners know the reason why Sue is wearing a her husband's wool shirt is because they've got rain. <laughs> Which, 
cold. I've got the heater going. <laughs> um, it, it, it's quite, it's, we've had a cold snap. We don't normally get freezing temperatures, but it's been pretty chilly for us. Like you're not used to the heat. Our houses are not designed for the cold. Okay. Um, and uh, it's raining, but we love the rain, so you never complain about the rain. Good. It's always good. Always good. good. That's good. So you follow, I and correct me, I, I'm referring to it as the principles or the ideology of zero waste. Yeah. Can you explain what zero waste is? So minimal or zero waste is a principle where you actually don't waste any of the fabric. Uh, um, the stats on the amount of pre-consumer textile waste, that is the fabric that's wasted when you cut out clothes, they're horrendous. So um, there's companies now like Fab Scrap in New York, and I think there might be a Fab Scrap in, on the west coast of the US somewhere. They take that pre-consumer waste and sell it on, and I've bought some myself. But for a home sewer, it's awful. Uh, I never know what to do with all my scraps and you take up quilting or stuffing things with them. But zero waste means a garment is designed to fit a rectangle or a square precisely. So when you cut it out, there is nothing wasted. Um, there are some things about this. You have to buy 1.87 metres of fabric. Well, nobody does that. You'd buy two metres and therefore you could potentially finish up with 13 centimetres of fabric left over. But it will be a strip that you could use for something. Um, or you use it for testing stitches or buttonholes or whatever. But zero or minimal waste at, at its essence means a garment has been designed to not waste any fabric. Oh, okay. it, It's a, a fascinating and intriguing thing. And it's been, it's been happening as long as mankind has been, womankind, peace, people have been wearing clothes. Um, mm -hmm. So we see it in very early garments, like the Greeks had their togas, Romans had togas, Greeks had something different, sorry. Um, Japanese with their kimonos, Indians with their saris, Scots men with their kilts. A kilt was in fact just a long rectangle of, of woven wool that they wrap round themselves in a certain way and then it... it um, I think the design morphed into what we now see as a kilt. But if you unpick a kilt, you get a massive long uh, rectangle of fabric. For the modern designer, I think it's more about um, creating something that isn't shapeless. So, uh, and, and that's been the challenge. And a lot of people have said, I don't do zero waste because I just finish up with this shapeless garment that just does nothing for me. But the modern designers create unbelievable clothes. So there is a zero waste collective. Okay. Uh, that is global. And I've made 
I'm just trying to think what I've made of theirs. I've certainly made tights, uh, like leggings, yeah. um, zero-waste leggings. I've made, uh, oh, and in fact, I've made so many things, zero-waste underwear. We have an Australian designer called Liz Haywood, and I've made a few of her things. Uh, she's written a book called Zero Waste Sewing, and she's designed zero-waste um, undies, you know, panties, knickers, whatever yeah. you call them. yeah. Um, and they're fantastic. I, I make them now all the time. Small rectangle of fabric. I can find a piece in my stash, just make undies with them. And she's currently working on a zero-waste bra. I can't wait for that to appear. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a lot of quiet, there's zero, I've made zero-waste trousers. Okay which fit me perfectly. We have a designer here in Perth called Sarah who has a pattern company called Pattern Union and I make an awful lot of her things. And she took the Zero Waste or Holly McQuillan from the Zero Waste Collective, she took her trouser design and made it fit me. Okay. So they fit perfectly and they are completely zero waste. And let me tell you, nothing more thrilling than cutting out a pair of trousers with a fly, waistband pockets. You think about, you know, crotch curves and it's completely zero waste. Amazing. That is fascinating because I, I, I don't sew, but I remember I took a sewing class in grade nine. <laughs> years ago and but I just I remember I remember the the, the pattern the the tissuey pattern paper yep. for a pair of pants so that is fascinating and yep. we will talk more about the evening dress you made which oh, yes. stunning yep. stunning yep. okay um now when did you decide like have you like, was there a particular moment or a particular time that you decided that you were going to follow the zero waste principles or, or like, so have you been sewing all your life? And was there a time that you decided you were going to go zero waste? I have been sewing my whole life, pretty much as long as I can remember. And I've got a doll kicking around the house that I actually made a dress for, which is really just a silk hanky that's been. <laughs> but that's all right. Um, I can't remember. Zero waste kind of percolated into my consciousness probably seven or eight years ago. And I began looking at the designs, but they're quite. Um, until you get the hang of them, it's a whole different way of thinking. Mm. Um, and I remember looking online, uh, there's, a, there's a, a New Zealand website called Make Use and everything, all the patents on it are covered under the Collective Commons licence, so everything's free. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I downloaded the pattern because I wanted to give it a go. I had no, I just couldn't make head nor tail of it. And then we have a... Um, a thing in Perth called Fibers West. And every two years, we have a week long kind of residential retreat. And tutors are flown in from all over the world. And uh, 
In 2019, I did a class with Holly McQuillan, who was considered one of the doyens of zero waste. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, it all made complete sense to me. And I've made her spiral trousers. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you um, want to get some water or anything, that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Okay. Um, I've made spiral trousers. I've made a coat where the seam lines are when you lay out a fabric um, and you have to mark this, where the cuts are going to be made, you mark the cuts with house paint and then you cut through, like if you can imagine an inch paintbrush yeah. that you paint these same seam lines on with, then you cut through the middle of those seam lines and the seams are sealed and you just sew the coat together like with a flat. And um, so I've got a coat up there, a wool coat that I made, and the seam lines are painted on in a contrasting colour. It's very cool. So that actually, I stopped fiddling with zero waste and got serious and have a lot of garments in my wardrobe that are now zero waste um, trousers, the spiral trousers, so many things. It's unbelievable, really. Uh, leggings, as I said, um, undies. Yeah, just goes on and on. Yeah. Spiral uh, trousers, that sounds amazing. If you can imagine a piece of fabric and two kind of long triangles and then the legs are sewn together in a spiral, it, it, I know, it's so hard to get your head round and you put them on and you finish up with a kind of a V on your backside, which a lot of people don't like, but, of course, I don't have backsides, so it doesn't bother me at all. Um, I have a waist, however, a big one. But, um, the uh, yeah, so you, you kind of get this V at the waist, inverted V, and then the legs spiral around. It's just the coolest design ever. That sounds really cool. Okay. And when you sew them together, you're sewing around this sort of spiral. And it's just these two triangles that put together make a rectangle. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to cool. Google that. I, I have to get the visual for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you need to Google it. Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> now, on your blog, you talk about your zero waste sandy shirt. And when I looked at it, I thought the shirt looked lovely. Okay. And the buttons are gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I got the impression that it sounded like you weren't too happy with the sandy shirt. Um, no, actually quite the reverse. Um, what happened was I... Um, I was looking for appropriate fabric and I found this vintage, um, really lovely, just the most amazing piece of vintage fabric that I had bought in an op shop, which is what we call thrift stores. Okay. Right? And um, I started cutting it out. And again, the sandy shirt, you cut out squares and, and turn them into triangles. Okay. So everything has to be very square. And I began to worry about the sizing because 
um, when you sew it together, you cut a little slit for where the sleeve goes in, but you can't get your arm through it. So there's no way of testing whether the shirt is going to fit. So I began second guessing myself and I, I didn't, before I cut the, the fabric into increasingly smaller squares and triangles, I decided to twirl it. So I can't, you know, make a, make a, a, a version out of cheap fabric, okay. which, um, so I got some quilting cotton out of my stash and away I went. And um, to get the fabric square, I ripped it. And I hadn't realised when you um, when you rip it, I knew you kind of could distort it, but I had no concept that sometimes it can rip off grain. And so I had, some of my triangles were bigger than others. Anyway, I fudged it so it went together okay. and it fitted perfectly. Okay. And the buttons that you refer to, actually, I didn't make those buttons. Um, they are 1930s buttons. Uh, I think they're made from Bakelite. Uh, I don't, not quite sure, but they're in the shape of leaves yeah. and they are exquisite. Anyway, I, I like the shirt so much in the end, even though it was a twirl, that I used nice buttons on it and made me like it even more. I went back and finished the original shirt out of this amazing vintage fabric, which was Japanese cotton. Mm. The feel of it is exquisite. Gosh, the Japanese do fabrics so well, you know. Um, and uh, and that one I put um, painted pearl buttons, like mother of pearl buttons on it, and each button is a different colour oh. to go with the colours in the shirt. Yeah. So... Um, I didn't make any of the buttons for that, but I have made buttons out of um, she-oak that um, we grow on our family holiday property. Okay. And she-oak is a kind of a West Australian tree which has the most amazing coloured wood. It's orange. Oh. The wood that you get from it is orange and it has beautiful grain. If I thought about it, I could have got out a button to show you. But it's it's beautiful and the buttons are exquisite and I've sent them all over the place so I often give them to people because I get loads. Uh, so, yes, that's the story of my Sandy shirt. That is a Liz Haywood design. It is very clever. You finish up with like a V yoke at the front and a V yoke at the back and it's got cuffs and collars Sorry about that noise. Right. And um, it's extremely a, a very clever zero waste shirt. Okay. So fitted, nothing baggy about it, nothing shapeless about it. It's exquisite. Yeah. See, I know as Search and Creative by Linda Mackey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, she has said to me, she, I had mentioned to her that you and I were going to be doing our podcast recording and she's looking forward to hearing, to hearing. <laughs> right. And um, I, my author and critique partner of 20 years, Carol Ann, I mentioned her a lot. She's, she was a teenager in the sixties and she will send me photos 
of things she will do with her pants and how she'll change things up with her pants. And I just, I kind of, I look and I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. So that's, I know a few people who, a few at least, who are going to be very interested in hearing what you're talking about, zero waste and, and those spiral pants I'm going to find out about. And since, because I forgot to mention this earlier, Sue Stoney's blog, now that's Fadanista, am I? Yeah. Okay. Fadanista, because my friends reckon all I do is have fads. So (laughs) when it came time to, you know, when it came time to name my blog and I was thinking about, oh, what am I going to call it? And I remember this thing, oh, Sue, you're just all full of fads, you know. (laughs) So I'm a fadanista. So that's where the name came from, yes. And zero waste, is it a fad? I wouldn't call, I don't actually think I have fads. I just think I have lots of interests. Yeah, because you're a sewist designer and an art enthusiast just like going on your blog and when you visit your blog you see Australian art um, mother nature's art like that wave rock is beautiful when I saw that beautiful yeah um, we have some of the largest monoliths in the world. So um, everybody's heard of Uluru or Ayers Rock, as it used to be known. But that's the third largest, I think, in Australia. It's not the largest. Um, the largest, I think, is something like Bald Rock in New South Wales. And we have another monolith in WA called um, Mount Augustus, which is bigger than Uluru, but they don't have the um, the Aboriginal heritage as much as Uluru, which is quite a sacred place to our local Indigenous um, people. So Uluru is where all the tourists go. Um, and you're no longer allowed to climb it. You used to be able to climb it. And quite rightly now, the local Indigenous community has said, hey, you're not climbing all over our sacred site. And quite rightly, they stopped that. And, you know, it's still amazing to see, though. Yeah, good, good. Okay. So is there any item of clothing you haven't made? Um. Well, I've made shoes, but only sandals. I haven't yet made closed-in shoes or boots. Um, I actually love shoes, so I don't know that I want to get around in a pair of sort of cobbled-together shoes, but I do make sandals, and I enjoy making sandals. I've got a couple of friends that I do that with, and we have a lovely time, and um so I collect pieces of leather from wherever I see it and um yeah but but other than that no I've made everything I think I make all my husband's clothes as well um so he doesn't wear anything ready to wear I haven't bought ready to wear since 2013 and he probably hasn't either to be honest I he never bought much anyway he would have been naked if I hadn't clothed him I think but he um no he just says I need a new whatever I'd like some new trousers I just go to the stash which is considerable and drag out 
appropriate fabric and away I go. Yes. So it's fun. That's perfect. That's perfect. Now, being an author and being on your Instagram, you mentioned that you journal daily. And I'm always wanting to know why people like, and I just, it's because of being an author. I know why. I love to write. So I always like finding it when I see something like that. I like to know. So why do you like journaling every day? What do you get from it? I just love the process of writing. I've always, always considered myself a writer. I come from a family that was very mathematical. My father and my elder sister both were, my father's gone now, but that both very mathematical um, and I'm not but I could write okay. by golly um, I've I, and I am a published author but not fiction okay. so in my work I I was a university professor and so we had the publish or perish syndrome so we would have to publish two or three times a year just to maintain credibility um, but I've written and co-authored several textbooks um, and and when I wrote my PhD, it it was like a three-year odyssey for me because I just wrote (laughs) and uh, that was just the loveliest time and unusually, I think, when I finished it, I mourned the loss of it. Um, even though I was able to create quite a lot of writing from it. Okay. It it was writing that I'd already really done and I was just um, finessing it, I suppose, for publication. But that was back in the 90s and I created a gaming microworld, which was pretty much the first. So I travelled the world with my gaming microworld and it's now something that is used by mining companies, banks, big corporations. Um, they use gaming microworlds for training. Oh, wow. And that's what mine was. Mine was to teach first-year university finance students about the stock exchange. Yeah. And uh, it, it was a fascinating time, just it was lovely. I love it. I did just, and it was before the internet, so it's all CD based. But now they're all internet based and much more sophisticated than mine was. But yeah, no, I've got off topic. Sorry. No, that's but, great. That's great. Yeah. So I, I am published in my head. I have written a novel. Excellent. And I write a bit every night. Uh, that's what gets me off to sleep. Yeah. And one day I'll commit it to paper. Uh, But the whole thing, the whole plot, everything, you know, the nuances of the plot have been designed in my head. I just have to sit down and stream of consciousness, I think, write it. But I do think about writing a fictionalised version of being a creator, a maker. So you would have the heroine, if you like, who makes things and, you know, the people that she meets and the places that she goes, perhaps. So that might be in my future somewhere. (laughs) But it would take me away from sewing. So for now I just 
write my blog and journal a bit and yeah so i mean you write your fiction novel with your heroine who's a sewist a creator i'm yes. just thinking oh the audience you already have <laughs> wow right and the thing i love you're making like you're a, a prime example of why i love podcasting because i will put down a simple question for instance you know and I'll, I'll like i really do try to put a lot of thought into my questions and so i'll write down okay i'll ask her about she writes that she likes journaling daily and i'm thinking that's kind of a basic question why do you like journaling right but it's usually it's always been those simple questions where you've it's almost like i open up this this and I find out all this great information about the person I'm interviewing. So I think that's fabulous. That's yeah. fabulous. Thank you. And I must say your questions have been really useful for me because I was thinking, oh, I don't know, what, 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 what have I got to offer? Um, I don't know if the readers know, um, the listeners, readers, you see, I'm thinking about it. The listeners know that I actually won my podcast with you uh, on um, uh, Linda, who is Joanna's sister, who I have met in person. Did you know we'd had lunch together? You mentioned that to me. It was like pre-pandemic, I, I believe, right? Like, yeah. yes. Yes. So I came to um, uh, Victoria. That's where you. And uh, we had lunch. And um, I've always participated in her designing December, where you take a a, a design from a designer and you replicate it. And last year, the prize that I won was intriguingly named. I've forgotten what it was called, but I could, when I won it, I thought, I'm so glad it's not a pattern. Because, <laughs> you know, I've got thousands. And then my next thought was, well, this is just so interesting. And um, Oh, the, the, the listeners can't see, but I use your notebook, you know, it's all, it's all getting used. Excellent. And read your novel. So I won all these really cool things, including this podcast. But when, when I thought about the podcast, I thought, crikey, what am I going to contribute here? <laughs> oh, you're a creative. You're a creative and a writer. So, hey. And you a uh, published author, not yeah. so you, lots to lots to contribute. I think yeah. it was the uh, we I call it the creative package, something like that. Yeah, something like, yeah. It was very intriguingly named. And before I found out about it, you know, I put it on Instagram and said, I've won this prize. Yeah. And we all all the followers kind of went, Oh, that's really interesting. What would that be? And, yeah. and uh, yeah. yes, it was fantastic. And I know it's the sewing sewist creatives with sewing is I'm learning is such a big community and when I said to Linda I'd I'd offer you know a prize and I'm going to I if she does I'm pretty sure she will if she does I don't want to I don't want to you know put words in her mouth but if designing December happens again I'll offer another prize but I, I remember at that time I was thinking and you know it I went right back to you know like grade five in school is anyone going to like my present <laughs> right? <Wow. laughs> 
I was so excited. And then when all the bits arrived, it was lovely. And I would have been happy just with that because the podcast terrified me, to be honest. <laughs> Whereas I was thinking, oh, I've got nothing to offer here. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Lots. And I'm just going to pause for a second because it looks like Ozzy wants to return to the studio. We'll see how long he lasts once he realizes the temperature in here. So just one moment soon. Okay. So our listeners know I have now opened the studio door. Ozzy has poked his head in and he is now panting. I don't know if he's going to stay or not. <laughs> uh, nope, he's doing about turn and he is gone. Okay. <laughs> oh, Sue. Have you ever thought, like now that we've been talking about books, so have you thought about creating a book? Um, and I'm not even thinking about fiction, but from what we've talked about, you are making lifestyle choices. Um, and I, you have a great following on Instagram. You're connecting with nature. You're doing things with nature. And we will get into that. And I just, I don't know. I, I thought, have you ever thought of writing almost like a lifestyle book? And I hope I'm not insulting, but when I was thinking of this, I thought maybe you could call it something like Outback Living One Stitch at a Time or something like that. Have you ever thought about something like that? Well, I, I think there's so many. I don't live in the Outback. So, <laughs> that's, you know, the Outback is, is, a, uh, is a concept that's quite foreign to people, but it's like, a vast expanse of nothingness. So I'm a city dweller. I'm very urban. Um, I I haven't thought about it. I feel as though there's quite a lot of books around that uh, probably do yeah. something similar. Um, I haven't thought about it, to be honest. And um, if I were to think about it, I think... Would anyone want to read such a thing? It's too introspective for me. I don't, I don't introspect at all, really. Uh, and in fact, when I go to um, art exhibitions, even textile art, and I see the explanation of the whatever the the thing that I'm looking at, I think. Oh, to be that introspective because the artists kind of write what inspired them and da, da, da. I don't do that. I just think I need a whatever yeah. and or I like the look of that, I'm going to make it. I am not that introspective about my making. I have spoken to, because I've got some friends who are artists and I, I say to them, oh, you're so introspective. And they go, no, we're not. We just know how to write so that it looks like we are. But... Even so, I couldn't write a whole book like that. I'd feel a bit fraudulent, I think. Okay, okay. And I hope I wasn't insulting with my suggested title. Okay. Oh, not at all. It's actually a lovely title. Okay. Um, you could almost, uh, I mean, our place, our holiday place is in the bush, so I could call it bush living one stitch at a time because... Okay. That is, I do very different work down there from what I do in the city. Okay. So, um, yeah, and I, I mean, it's a, it's it's got it has got some nice ideas in there, but 
we'll have to see about that. Yeah, maybe your fictional novel. We'll see. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that yes, I could in fact do. You know, talk about uh, a person. Wouldn't I? Wouldn't even think about the gender. It could be man or a woman exactly. uh, living on a farm, doing going about their normal business, but in their downtime, being creative in some way. Yeah. And our farmers. I'd, if you saw the blog with the hippos yawn and wave rock, you would have seen the um, the sculptures that our farmers have created and left at their farm gates. It's just amazing. We're very some very creative people in the bush, for sure. So now, how talking about creative people? How do you pronounce this? It's I'm going to say. Coreopsis. Coreopsis. Okay. It, it's. Uh, <laughs> what is that? Yeah. You might notice tick seed. Tick seed. I'm an it, urban person. I like the city, so. <laughs> okay, so coreopsis looks a bit like a marigold. People think okay. when I've shown them, people have said, "Oh, you're growing marigolds." No, they're they're different, okay. but they look like a marigold. Um, they come in quite, sort of pale orange to uh, orange with a dark red centre. There's a whole pile of different varieties. Um, and the colours that you get from it uh, de vary depending on the type of coreopsis and the mordants that you use. So a mordant is the thing that makes the colour stick onto your fabric um, so it becomes light fast and colour fast. So when you wash it, it doesn't all wash out. With Coreopsis, you can change the colour from a pale yellow to quite a deep red, depending on what you use. And I tend to use, I'm not very keen on chemical mordants. So I use things like cream of tartar, just a pinch, and you can see it instantly lighten. Lemon juice, same thing. Um, vinegar can turn it red. Uh, soda ash can also turn it red. So you're basically changing the pH okay. of your liquid because you kind of simmer it in water and then all the colour is extracted from the flowers. And then you change the pH by adding whatever you're going to add. Um, okay. And it's uh, uh, it's very witchy. I always feel a bit like I'm being a witch, you know, <laughs> sort of pagan. Uh, and it's it, it is this amazing alchemy, I think. That and I'm I'll never get tired of it. Okay, fabulous. Because you're you are now i'm wondering if i've got this right you're dyeing the coreopsis with your own dyes the coreopsis is the dye is the dye so you're dyeing yes. your own fabric. fabric and so making your own dyes so i'm making my own dyes as i said just with water and a mordant and you can mordant the fabric or the yarn before you dye it, or you can mordant it whilst you're dyeing it. Okay. Um, so if I mordant before, if I'm, say, going to do a piece of fabric and I pre-mordant, 
I use something like soya milk. You oh. just dip and dry, dip and dry. And I make my own soya milk from soybeans. And <laughs> it's sort of, well, it's a much cheaper way to go. Uh, and uh, But I also use eucalypts, oxalis, which we call sourgrass, which is a yellow flower, and you get this almost acid yellow colour from it. Um, we have these things called puff balls, which all the kids like to kick. They're a fungus, like a mushroom, okay. but they're round. Yeah. And when you kick them, they burst open and they release all the spores. If you harvest them carefully, open them into water, they give this kind of, well, some people hate the colour, but it's kind of a rusty brown colour, which is quite nice. Onion skins are probably my favourite. Uh, wattles, passion fruit, honestly, avocado. Anybody can do this using stuff from their kitchen. So avocado, okay. passion fruit, tea bags, coffee, what else? Well, onion skins. Yeah. I tried garlic. They don't do anything. <laughs> but if you want to know just if, whether something will work, put it in water, see if, A, you can extract colour okay. and then put something in it and see if it stains the fabric. Uh, and then there's this difference between staining and dyeing because the stain will fade over time, whereas the dye shouldn't. Interesting. I have never done that. And that I find really interesting. Thank you for explaining it, like bringing it down and explaining it to me because I have never done that. And actually, rhubarb leaves are an excellent mordant because they're full of tannins. Um, and when you, we buy rhubarb, we only get the stick. You can't mm. get the leaves. So you need to get a relationship with your greengrocer or supermarket vegetable people and um, see if you can get those things. But, yes, they're, they're almost anything, beetroot, but that's not, often not light fast and the berries tend to not be light fast but very pretty. Okay. But the thing is if it fades, you just dye it again. Yeah. You know, that's it's part of the journey. Okay, okay. So we hinted about this, about fabrics. And I remember once upon a time in the 80s and the 90s, once upon a time, I used to go into an actual office. And I remember I used to wear, as I said here in very comfortable clothes, a silk shirt. And I loved the feel of the silk. Now, your zero waste 1930s inspired dress. Can you describe the dress and the Japanese? and shibori dyed silk like that dress is beautiful the dress itself if you saw the pattern it's basically a long rectangle with a, a sort of a swirl cut out of it that then becomes a cowl so the dress is square necked at the front but has a deep cowl at the back and then rulos are made to kind of hold it all together. Uh, so it's kind of laced very loosely. Oh, I've forgotten how it looks now. Very loosely laced at the back with these long strings that I sewed beads onto the end of. It feels very 1930s. It's very simple. At the front, it's basically a sheath. 
uh, pulled in a little bit. Uh, then there's a cowl at the back, which is held up. Cows can sort of sink and you feel like you're becoming more and more exposed. The, the design is so clever. This was a pattern union design okay. uh, for me. Uh, she hasn't published it yet, but she really needs to. Uh, the back is held up with a, the cowl is kind of held in place with a tab, which holds the waist in place and the cowl in place. So it's kind of like held together top and bottom. Uh, and it feels amazing. So the fabric, is Japanese, my favourite, silk, which began its life as a piece of white, uh, almost brocade um, silk, not brocade, uh, it's patterned, but it's white. And then somebody has painstakingly pulled up a piece of the fabric, almost like, they pulled it up into a tiny little pimple. Yeah. Bound it with cotton, and they've done that all over. Wow. This enormous, it would have been um, kimono-sized piece of fabric, if yeah. you think about how much fabric is in a kimono. They left um, kind of two L-shaped, thin L-shaped, strips that weren't knotted uh, but the rest of it was knotted and then dipped in indigo I suppose it would have been indigo because it's blue a uh, sort of a blue gray color so when they undid the knots the the cotton yeah. um, you get these little tiny white dots all over it except where the L's were so when we made that dress, we had the extra challenge of building the two L's in. And you'll notice if you look at the dress, it's got like a rectangle at the front, which is two L's. One is inverted, one is turned around. Mm -hmm. So it's the other way. And so it's a, like a, a topless rectangle, if you can imagine, three sides. And that's where they didn't do the shibori dyeing. So shibori is a way of tying the fabric where the thread is becomes a resist that doesn't take up the dye. Okay. So the dress is this sort of bluey grey colour with this tiny, tiny white dots all over it. And it, 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 it's exquisite to look at, but then you think about the people yeah. They would have been women yeah. who would have sat there tying, knotting, and the conversations they might have had and the lifestyle they might have. And it's, to me, it's a dress with some history because of that. That's a, I, a story right there. Absolutely. A her story rather than a history. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it's not... That thin, flimsy silk, it's got a bit of body to it. It's absolutely exquisite. And I didn't want to waste any of it, hence the zero waste. As it happened, I had a bit more than I required. But the piece, the thing about zero waste is if you have more, the piece you're left with 
is very symmetrical. It's like a square or a rectangle, and that's what I've got. Um, so I could make myself a, a, a blouse or something. I will yeah. from the remains of the fabric. That's so cool. <laughs> that is yeah, so cool. It's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing. Just like you said, the story behind that fabric even. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Sue, just kind of winding it up here a little bit. What Would you say that's the most extravagant outfit you've made? I think so. It didn't cost very much. Extravagant always seems to be about cost to me. You know, that's what I think people think of. But for me, it was extravagant in that the fabric is exquisite, the dress is exquisite. Uh, I think it probably would be, yes. Good. So if you could step back into a time capsule and go back in time, what would you tell the 20-year-old Sue? The 20-year-old Sue was always in a hurry. In fact, the 60-year-old Sue was always in a hurry. Uh, it's only been in the last few years that I've slowed down uh, since I retired, really. I'd probably say a dress doesn't have to be, something doesn't have to be made in a day. I, I, it is about slow sewing and careful sewing and thoughtful, mindful sewing. You know, all those words that probably get bandied around a lot, but for a reason, yeah. they are, I think that's where it is. Uh, it's about making it as perfectly as I possibly can. Back in the day, near enough was good enough for me. I'm going to admit that. Um, my mother always had this expression about not short, spoiling the ship for a hapeth of tar. In other words, use, you know, use nice things, um, which I did, but I wasted a lot because I wasn't careful enough, whereas now I'm much more, if I don't like it, I will unpick it. I have unpicked things back to their component parts and started again if I didn't like it. So I am much happier to unpick, whereas 20-year-old me probably didn't own an unpicker. You know, uh, I unpick constantly now. I try to make it as as good as I possibly can. Okay. You know, that's, that's all good. That's, you could take that in life in terms of, Mm. No way. Absolutely. Right? And I was like that as a, you know, in my professional life, but just my personal life was very slapdash. So it's, it's, I've become much more, yeah, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to make sure this is right. Okay. So this has been such a pleasure. Can you tell how relaxed I am? Just, yeah, I have, yeah this has been such a pleasure. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm so honoured that, I, A, I won the prize and, B, that you had me on your podcast. Thank Aww. you, Karen. And I loved your book, by the way. I really enjoyed it. Really, um, yeah, no, I, it was most enjoyable read. And I love my notebook. Use oh, it all the time. Yes. Oh, good, good. Well, Sue, where can people find you on social media? And I'll make sure, yeah, what's all your so, what's all your socials, Sue? Well, I really only use two primarily. I'm just Sue Stoney on Instagram, so easy to find. 
and badanista.com on on for my blog so very very i do have facebook but i i hate facebook and i don't tweet anymore i used to but i can't i just focus on those two things and i try to do them well perfect perfect well sue have a good night it isn't is it night over there no it's morning over there right <laughs> morning here <laughs> you have a good night joanna <laughs> your clock chime so I thought okay uh, 15 hours behind you are it's, yeah. it's such a weird concept you get on a plane and you arrive before you've left sort of you know <laughs> it's a funny concept yes yeah. okay Sue well okay have a good day <laughs> yeah. good day okay thank you Joanna yeah. bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.